how have you been, man? Busy. Good, but busy. Yeah. Same. What are, so what have you been listening to lately? I've I've I haven't I've been meaning to ask that because oh, you've, yeah. you you you've been so good about asking me and I never remember to ask you. So I <laughs> feel like a dick, but I finally remembered. Hey, you did it. So I know. Uh, like I, I'm serious. Like I was so bummed that I left my my monitor earbuds at my office because I was like, man, I'm I'm gonna have monitor earbuds. I'm gonna ask him <laughs> what he's been listening to lately. I've got my microphone figured out. I got my email fixed where it updates when it's supposed to. I'm gonna be yeah, on like, top of everything. It's like you're half a semester into like your hardest class, but like now you're like you're feeling good about it because you know <laughs> you know yeah. all the dynamics that make you feel like you're supposed to be there <laughs> yeah like, i'm not supposed to be in this class i, don't, I feel like i don't yeah. know anything I'm like i didn't even bring this and they said that that's essential you know but it's all right man it's yeah. a it's a process <laughs> man was there anything worse in college than showing up to the first day of a class and you look on the syllabus and it says that attendance is part of the grade that is that's oh, that's the no, worst yeah, that's, that is terrible I, yeah, like I, 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 I didn't, I never dropped a class because of that, but I guarantee you there were classes that I otherwise would have enjoyed, but I was just like, what? Come on. If I can take the test and pass the <laughs> test, I shouldn't have to be here every day. <laughs> that should be fine. Yeah. Well, and I think it's, I mean, it seems like certain industries have kind of changed. Like some people have gotten more lenient because, but I guess it's just case by case, depending on the class. But to answer your question, your previous question, um, <laughs> I have been listening to um, a local group lately. Uh, we actually saw them yesterday um, in concert. It was a, um, it's a, it was a, it's a good show, but also kind of a sad thing. It was a memorial for their lead singer who had passed away last year. Um, it's a group called Bastards of Soul. Um, yeah, super good. Um, so there was like a memorial thing honoring Chadwick, um, the lead singer, uh, yesterday at the Kessler, and uh, so we went there. Um, I was able to get a vinyl copy of the record, which I was really excited about. Um, they did a special like nebula purple, like color of it um, at the show. So that was really cool um, in a really special time. Um, what else have I been listening to? But I've also been listening to, well, I guess I should open this mix because I always make like a little playlist and keep my head in that space. <laughs> Um, been listening to this group called Portico Quartet. Um, they have this album that they came out with last year called Monument. That's really cool. Um, the title track is super, super awesome. I, I listen to that title track probably once a day, maybe. Um, I have uh, just a couple more. You know, I've been listening to Black Radio by Robert Glasper because uh, he's every single he released for that, I was just all over. So as soon as it came out, I was obsessed. Um, but besides that, um, you know, I don't know, just the regular stuff, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> which for me is like still all over the place. So <laughs> yeah. Just, but yeah. Your, your normal nothing. list is still like the Beatles, Pat Metheny, then like Kendrick Lamar. And like, it's dude, your, that's so funny. You know, dude, that's so funny. If you say Kendrick Lamar, Cause like that, that was, that was me today. <laughs> I actually, <laughs> I was listening to, um, to pimp a butterfly in section eight, uh, point zero today. <laughs> yeah, I'm all over the place. Like yesterday, I was re listening to a lot of jazz. Um, um, I guess besides when we were driving around, um, or no, it was the day before I was listening to a lot of jazz because um, 
uh, Ron Miles had passed away, um, and he's a um, producer um, trumpeter, but he plays a, uh, I want to make sure I'm saying this right, a, a coronet, or it's like the smaller horn. He, that's what he specializes in. He has a really good album that he came out with in 2020 called uh, Rainbow Sign. So the only reason why I know him is that album came out, and I think it was at the beginning of, of the whole lockdown. And, um, I still have this habit, like every Friday when new music comes out, you know, I'll just sift through it all the, all my, I don't know, immediately preferred genres at the time, whatever that means. Uh, I'll click to that genre and just sift through, you know, most of the time it's, I'm either going off of name that I'm familiar with or album cover that just really, you know, grabs me for whatever reason. And, um, that's actually how I found this guy. Um, I was, I was, uh, just sifting through the music on a Friday where I had tons of time. I, I remember this Friday actually, cause it was like one of the days where I remember thinking like, wow, this is a habit I've had for a long time looking at new music on Fridays, but it's always been something that I do really briefly. Like as I'm drinking my coffee or as I'm like, I don't know, just have a free few minutes. But this time I like made it like an objective. I'm going to go through every genre <laughs> that I like <laughs> And I'm really going to try and find something that I can be be addicted to musically for at least a week, you know, hopefully <laughs> with all that free time, you know, two years ago. And, um, and I found this, I found this album and I really, really liked it. Um, yeah. So when he passed away, I, I listened to, to his album again and, and some other stuff, but that's, that's, I guess this last few days, that's what I've been listening to. <laughs> nice. Sounds like a, a healthy mix. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely always mixed up. That's why it's always hard for me to sometimes remember. Because like, I, I can always remember one thing I've listened to recently, but I know there's always something to throw out there that someone wouldn't expect or like, you know, I don't know. Oh, the other thing I've been listening to a lot is um, uh, Tame Impala. They released a um, like remix and B-sides version of the Slow Rush, their last album. That's really cool. Um, it's got some really cool um, new songs and... Uh, just remixes, reworkings of, of some of his other stuff. Um, yeah, that's been the main stuff. Anything with you? Yeah, well, um, so I, I've also been listening to a lot of kind of neo-soul stuff. Um, hmm. I've uh, So I've been listening to Bastards of Soul just because, that, I mean, I, I love supporting some good East Dallas originals, you know. Um, oh, yeah. well, they're terrific. Oh yeah, but also um, I heard a band on the radio the other day called The Dip. You ever heard of The Dip? No, I haven't. Yeah, it. it uh, I haven't looked anything up about them, so I did. Like I really should, but um, yeah, the, I heard a, a band called The Dip that was another kind of neo soul kind of sounding thing, and mm. I've been listening to a lot of that. Um, and so, you know, Bastards of Soul and all of their offshoots, because, you know, it's, I think, a few guys in that, uh, in the group have little solo projects they work on. The Dip, mm -hmm. um, St. Paul and the Broken Bones, a lot of that. And I'll be honest, yeah. um, I've also weirdly been listening to a lot of classical guitar recently. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah, and it's not something that I've ever really... Um, you know, I play guitar pretty badly, uh, but I, I respect it and I understand the mechanics of it. I just can't, I just, I just can't do it. Um, but I've never really listened to a lot of like classical guitar. And then mm -hmm. someone had, had pointed out that, that, uh, the, uh, do you remember the old, 
um, was it Nokia or 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 singular or something? I mean, some old some technology company that was like on the forefront of cell phones had the uh, the standard ringtone that was like da 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 da. Oh yeah, that was Nokia. Yeah, Nokia. Yeah, so that came from a Francisco Tarrega uh, piece that was written on the guitar, oh. and I'm gonna I'm gonna Texify it and say Grand Vals. I'm sure in Spanish it's probably like Grand Vals, but it means the big waltz. Mm. Um, so I, I looked up someone playing that because it was in like I was like, what? No way! And uh, and then just <laughs> got like enthralled watching these like Spanish you know, classical and flamenco guitarists do all of this yeah. crazy complicated oh, that's insane. Uh, stuff. And in the, the, the digital separation that those guys have to play really complicated bass lines and then like crazy jazz chords on top of that mm-hmm. is just, I, I, I can't even like, again, I'm not a guitarist, so maybe it's easier than I think it is. Um, <laughs> but but I feel like I play guitar just enough to understand how difficult things are. And I'm watching this going, how in the hell can anyone separate their brain into that many different parts and then make their fingers like do that? Um, Thousands of hours of practice. (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, that's the answer, right? It's like, that's all they do. It's like when they're not eating or sleeping, they're playing guitar. So right. uh, And when I'm not eating or sleeping, I'm just thinking about eating or sleeping. So I guess that's the problem. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but uh yeah and I'm I've actually I've been listening to a lot of stuff uh, that is that is like that because this week and for for those listening we're recording this on on March 14th and this coming uh St. Patrick's Day which is Thursday um I'm going to the Willie Nelson Luck reunion concert thing nice. um in the big town of Luck, Texas. And I looked at the lineup. It's a bunch of country people I've never heard of before. I mean, you know, mm. obviously I know who Willie Nelson is, but uh, <laughs> I think and I like, guy. yeah. And like, I don't, I don't just sit down and listen to a bunch of country anymore. And I know it's going to mm. be uh, probably a little bit of a, a sensory overload for me. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm trying to listen to a bunch of stuff that's not country that way. That way I'm like, I have a little bit more of an appetite for it on mm. Thursday because <laughs> otherwise I think we're going to get halfway through the set list. and I'm going to go, Oh my God, will someone please use a guitar other than a Telecaster? And Oh my God, please someone write a song in a chord other than G or C. And Oh my <laughs> Lord, will someone please add the G on the end of a participle? So you're not drinking, you're drinking. Um, <laughs> And it's like, I, at some point, I know that's going to hit me and I'm just trying to make it as late in the day as possible. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so that's, that's kind of what I'm doing. And I, I was even, I was told my planning. wife that and she was like, well, shouldn't, that doesn't make sense. Shouldn't you be listening to country to build your tolerance up? And I wanted to be like, it's not heroin. Like, I, you know? <laughs> like I, th- I, I think it's, I think it's like going to the beach. Right. Like Mm. the beach is way better if you don't go to the beach for like a year because you get to the beach and you realize after a day that the beach kind of (laughs) sucks. But you can enjoy it for that day. (laughs) 
Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's like otherwise, otherwise you're just really into watching like fat dudes with inexplicably hot girlfriends like eat hot dogs on the beach and then not clean up after themselves, and it's depressing. Uh, <laughs> uh, the lifestyle. <laughs> yes, and you know what? You know what those people are listening to? Country mm. music, one hundred percent of the time. <laughs> Especially in Texas. And we, you know, we do people, people rag on Texas for the lack of geographical diversity. And I get that because we don't handle snow well. And, you know, our only mountains are out near El Paso. And plus, most people that rag on Texas beaches have only ever been to Galveston and Galveston's just a gross place in general. But, you know, we have some really nice beaches here, you know, Padre when it's not spring break and and, yeah. uh, you know, all of those Laguna Madre and Corpus and, and Padre and, uh, Mustang Island, all that. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, but yeah, the, the going there is the worst cause it's people in four wheel drive trucks, all listening to the same, like five Jason Aldean songs on a loop <laughs> while they throw like shitty one-time use styrofoam coolers that they bought at a Seven Eleven on the way down there into the ocean. And, uh, yeah, but at least, I, I mean, I can't, can't rag on them there because at least they're not like British petroleum spilling a billion gallons of oil into the ocean. But still, um, but yeah, still so, uh, for, anyone who, for anyone who lost their way halfway through that rant, and I don't blame you if you did, um, <laughs> basically country music is the equivalent of a fat shirtless guy eating way too much at the beach and then throwing his wrappers directly into the water. It's really cool once a year. <laughs> no comment. Uh, it's, it's, it's two o'clock in the afternoon. I shouldn't be this loopy yet. <laughs> well, um, you, you have more country um, experience, um, appreciation and vocabulary. So I'll just let you, you know, handle that because I don't want to well, make a, a comment. Or a comment in agreement where I really don't know. I don't, I don't have that much of a reference point. <laughs> well, it, 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 the problem is at the end of the day, I am a redneck. I mean, I, I can't deny that. I can only get so far from my own roots. I'm just a redneck who, when he was like 16, decided to, to listen to Miles Davis once, right? <laughs> yeah right and it's like oh my lord what do you mean there's an instrument that's that's what is a horn what is a woodwind oh my lord <laughs> what is this a clarinet oh a clarinet oh okay <laughs> a saxophone is that one of those one nine hundred numbers <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's it's wild, man. At the end of the day, I'm a redneck, and I'm always going to have a soft spot for country. It's just country is so saturated with badness that you forget that it can be good because the, well, the amount of bad so outweighs the amount of good. <laughs> well, I mean, you could say that for any genre that's, like, massively popular. I mean, like, popular well, and true. commercial. But, I mean, like, that's definitely... I don't know. Everyone's got those little those little um, th th uh, themes in their genre or whatever. Where like, you know, they're going to talk about beer and trucks and 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 this. But then there's like the the old school version that must be might be a little more ballad like. And then there's the you know even more older version of that that's way more stripped down than that. Uh, but then you look at today and you have people that are like following a pop trend 
but building it off of roots from like the old, old ways. And then you just get all these different blends and people that are doing something that you've seen done before, but that's just, I don't know, that's just any industry, you know, you, 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 you go in you try and put your spin on it and you try and use influences, but sometimes you don't know how to communicate or, 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 or express what those influences are. And maybe the producer you're working with or the manager you're working with isn't into that. And so you get, you know, you could get thrown, you know, all sorts of ways just within, you know, a year's time and then, uh, not know who you are, you know, because of all this production and all these other people telling you what to do and this concept that you had. And, and yeah, I don't know. It's just always interesting when you see like country stars or rock stars, or it doesn't matter, just a, a musician that, you know, they've been doing it forever, but they've just kind of been doing the same thing and, and, and never want to take risks or they worked with the producer, didn't work out and they just moved on. Um, or you see people that, you know, right out the gate, just explode, they erupt because they either defended something that they thought was really unique or they just got to the right produ- production, you know, uh, right into the, in the right room with the right producer. But I don't know. There's so many factors. Um, now I'm just rambling. Yeah. I forgot what I was going to say. Well, it, it is. I, I had a friend in law school, um, and he, he said it very nicely one time. And he said, what country music has become is like someone has, has taken like a Kesha song or something. And just every time it talks about ordering like crystal, they just replace that with like Bud Light, Bud Light. you know, <laughs> yeah. and every time they're talking about yeah. like jumping in the whip and getting in the Range Rover, like they just replace whip with truck and Range Rover with, you know, the all new Ford F-150, you know, and it's, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, but yeah, because it, it's interesting when I talk to people here in Texas about music and they tell me like, oh, well, you know, man, I'm, I'm mainly a country guy. I'm like, oh, okay, because, you know, with me, I'm like, I can talk like the old stuff, but I like, I am nowhere in like the groove of like what's up and coming or like what just went out. <laughs> like, I have no idea, like the culture too much because I just, I wasn't raised in it at all. Um, but it's always interesting here in Texas that when someone gives me that answer and I say, oh, okay, I'm not that big of a country person, you know, who, who do you, who do you listen to? I swear nine out of 10 times people down here, they always preface their answer with, well, let me explain. I like Texas country. Yeah. <laughs> and then when you say that, and now I understand what that is, you know, I, 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 I ha- might have them in my phone. I can't think of them immediately, but, um, this different acts that, that it's a, it's like a different, type of country. I mean, it's not, it's not just like George Strait esque, but it's still, it's still got modern production and stuff, but it's, it's not over the top. It's not mega poppy. And like, that's what a buddy explained to me is like, at least um, that's how he interpreted like Texas country was it takes in the successful parts of like the pop country, like the stuff, you know, it's like the, the high production quality aspects of it, but then it doesn't really give into it too much. Like it doesn't make it, too, you know, um, like too. Yeah, they, they don't uh, produce it to death. Is right. one yeah. thing. Yeah, and it's like I, you know, because in theory, the Texas country guys are following in the footsteps of like pioneering, quote unquote, Texas guys like Willie Nelson and Waylon Jennings and um, you know Jerry Jeff Walker and <laughs> Gary P Nunn and a bunch of other names mm-hmm. that 
uh, most people, if I keep going, are just going to turn this off. So I'll stop. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, but but yeah, I will I will say this because I don't. I mean, you know, the Texas country stuff that whatever. I'm less likely to hate that than some Nashville crap that sounds like they mm-hmm. took a pop producer and put them in a country booth, right? Yeah. But um, y- you know, at the end of the day, I get it. Um, and, but I think the main thing that the Texas country has going for it is like you said, it's, it's very high production value, but without being produced to death to where it becomes something that could be reproduced on like a Casio keyboard and nothing else. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Cause there's just something to that. I mean, there's definitely something impressive about a highly produced, complicated piece of work, no matter what genre you're, you're dealing with, but there's equally an impressive thing to be said about uh, um, a na- nature of a piece of work that is way less complicated and still hits you. Um, I don't know. It's just like a painting. You know, there's so many paintings out there that some people look at that and they just, they're blown away and it took, you know, thousands or, you know, hundreds of hours of, of work to do. There's others where it's just, you know, splashes of paint in a coordinated, you know, way uh, that, invokes a certain you know feeling or whatever it's totally different processes but you know they'd be on the same wall you know they'd they could yeah. equally be in the same gallery and so it's just always interesting how how the mind works you know like as a listener and as a as a creator like what do the people want or like what do i want and they're like well let's let's not go crazy here you know let's think about you know yesterday you know and that's super simple let's keep it really simple you know and then let's just back it up with some orchestra and then we'll you know make it sound better um, but then you could have people that just like, I don't know, I, like I think about like the like DJs, people that go from being like a DJ to being a producer that like some of those guys must have like the craziest, like what ifs, like, you know, like multiple versions of a song because they're like, well, I know like they want the song to only be like three minutes long, but like it could be eight minutes long. <laughs> like, look at all these changes, look at all this, you know, look at all these samples and like, no one thought about that. It's like, no one's thinking this, you know, it's like, but it won't play. I'll just have to keep that from my show, you know, and then move on. <laughs> it's just, everything's so different or everybody can, you know, address music so differently. It's, it's, I don't know. That's the fun part about it. It's also the hard part about it. <laughs> Yeah. I'm not trying to share it or make it. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Well, really quick, I also just want to throw this at you because I can't remember if I've said this before. Um, just because you were talking about the um, classical t- guitar. Um, I just want to make sure I didn't forget to tell you this. Um, have I told you about the, the Road to the Sun, the album that Matheny did? It's a classical album he did last year. Um, no, he did but it with, I'm going to write it down. Yeah, it's called Road to the Sun. He did it with... Um, I think it's the LA um, guitar quartet, I believe. Um, yeah, I'm looking it up. Well, I bring it up because it is a classical album um, that uses um, the guitar. Um, but at the end of the album, um, I think I told you about this. When when I saw Matheny live a couple of weeks ago, um, he played a 42-string guitar, which was right. outrageous. Um, that album, the very last track on it, um, it, 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 uh, it uses that 42 string guitar. Um, it's a pretty cool one. Um, he has another song that uses it on an older album called into the dream, I believe it's called, but, uh, that's a super, super cool album. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's like the most recent song he's done with that crazy, I believe he calls it the Picasso guitar. Yeah. I, I, 
I got on YouTube and found videos of him playing mm. that. And again, yeah. I, I do want to preface this by saying I am not by any means an accomplished guitarist, but I do know enough, I think, to figure out like how difficult things are. Mm. I could not wrap my head around exactly what he was. I mean, there are there are spots on that guitar where it looks like there's no way you can pluck a string without hitting several other strings for one thing and without yeah. getting some sort of cross, you know, cross tonal pollination. And I just, it, it is, it, you know, it speaks to, cause on, on one hand you can be like, what hubris of man is this that led us to create the 42 string guitar? Like we're some, <laughs> you know, tragic Greek, whatever, but Jurassic but Park. Then, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, we were so preoccupied with could we, we, we forgot about should we, um, uh, to paraphrase. Um, but, you know, it's, uh, yeah, but then I, I finally found some videos of him playing it, and you watch it, and it, it sounds so good. Yeah. <laughs> You're just going, how, I mean, you he, know, this guy already plays guitar and probably several un- other instruments really well, but oh, yeah. how much do you have to just sit down and devote hours and hours and hours of just learning how to play one component of that 42 string monstrosity yeah. and then to patch it all together and then to work out the physics of it, you know, moving, moving your hand from one fretboard to the another. And, and, and it's just, I, it's, it's baffling. And it, yeah. it's not like it's 42 strings, but there's only like three necks and they don't cross. I mean, it, it looks like it looks like an overhead view of the most congested highway system in the world. Yeah. What's um, the what's the highway in uh, in Atlanta? Yeah, that's yeah. It looks highway like where the I-95 or whatever it is yeah. goes goes through downtown Atlanta. I mean, yeah, it's just insane. Mix master. Yeah, no, it, it looks crazy. I mean, I, I haven't read like the like technical breakdown of it, but I imagine just with all the uh, overlaying and intense like complexity, it's gotta be tuned very weirdly, like to where those strings, like wherever they do clash or interact that they're, you know, I don't know, like some kind of whole note clash, like something to where it's, it's easy to like maintain weird positions, but they're all intercrossing like, you know, full notes or something. I don't know. But yeah, it was, it's one thing to see that and to think like, oh, okay, like that's like that's someone's specialty instrument, or like they they had to put it in a studio to get it right. But it was really crazy to see him like do it live and like like I don't even know if there are any mistakes. <laughs> you know, I assume there weren't, but it was just like it was just so beautiful and just like, man, it's just like it's it's a show in and of itself, just watching him. I mean, obviously the audibly it's really entertaining, but it's just as entertaining. I mean, you need it to accompany the music, but like, or you need the music to understand it, but to see it while it's playing, it's just so impressive. It was just like, man, like, but if there's one guy that I would think of that could do it, that does practice and commits like a life to music. I mean, he's, he's one of them, man. He's one of the few people nowadays that comes to my mind when I think of like a true, like, monk of music you know oh, yeah. like just someone that because i mean he still practices he said it on that quest love podcast he still practices like eight to ten hours a day daily just just to make sure that he is as tight as possible you know it's nuts that's nuts yeah um i mean uh, it's just other like, than like 
Yeah, other than like breathing and stuff, I can't think of anything that I do 10 hours a day or would want to do 10 hours a day. Yeah. Like like like, days where I have to practice law 10 hours a day, I get home and I'm like pissed off about it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He practices for 10 hours and then goes and does it like, you know, and then goes out and does it again, you know, for a crowd or, you know, whatever. That's just, yeah, that, that's, that's super impressive. I mean, the other thing too, that I, I would say like as a, um, an adult individual with a job is that like, <laughs> at, as time has gone on, you know, like I realize that like when you're at the longer you're at a job, the easier it gets in some ways. Cause you understand the dynamics of it. You understand the rules, you know, whatever. And, and it's, it's so interesting to look at professions, you know, like a doctor, um, or a musician that has continued education that is, you know, it is ever it's ongoing or, you know, I'm sure there's other industries, but those are the first two I think of that truly like you really have to keep it up. Um, if you want to stay on the cutting edge or stay on, you know, I mean, I mean, I know, I know you're a lawyer and there's going to be updated laws and stuff like that, but, uh, I'm just thinking like, in terms of time, like, Oh, here's a new thing. It's not just an addendum or adjustment to something that was previously there or missing, but it's this whole new like idea of, uh, you know, of an approach to, I don't know, something. I, I just think it's crazy. Like, like, okay, okay. I'll put it this way though. Like in sales, like my life, <laughs> my normal life, it's like as the, the trajectory with sales is as time goes on, it gets easier because you should, you know, your book of business should be, you know, bi- getting bigger and bigger and healthier and healthier. Cause like, as you get less time because you have more business, then you should start sacrificing or prioritizing, you know, your least um, important customers. And if they drop off and they drop off, if you keep your business, your pipeline coming, then eventually after a few years, your book of business is nothing but great, you know, people to work with and it's easier on you ideally. And so it's just interesting to like, think about industry where like as time goes on, you're, you're expected to keep getting better, but you're also expected to practice always at the same, you know, interval of time, just, just to keep your gears you know, greased up and, and, and going, I mean, that just proves how complex the, the game is, you know, that, that, you know, there's just so much to learn and retain and, and there's so much to honor, you know, because he takes it so seriously that like, yeah, he's in, you know, like a, like a, I mean, that's why I said a monk, you know, it's like a, like a pastor. I mean, like, you know, I come from pastors, you know, it's like my, if my dad wasn't, um, taking a break or had just got off of work, he was in his library, you know, working, reading, you know, rereading, stuff that he had read a million times, but he wanted to make sure it was stuck to memory. Um, that's just, yeah, that's just something I've always um, found incredibly impressive out of, a, out of a human to push yourself that much and to respect something that much. It's, that's incredible. Yeah. I, I, uh, I worked with a guy briefly who um, he, he treated the practice of law like that. And like, I, I joke. I mean, it's like I, I do. I love what I do, and I, I actually do enjoy learning the new stuff sometimes. But this guy, he um, before he had gotten into the area of practice that we were in at the time, he had done um, mostly municipal court stuff. So it was all like traffic tickets and noise ordinances and that kind of thing. And um, we had a we had a Christmas party at our firm, and he had a he <laughs> he had a little party trick where he recited chapter five forty five of the Texas Transportation Code completely from memory. 
Whoa. And I mean, it's, it's like a, I don't know, 10 or 12 or 15 pages of really dense text about wearing seat belts and, you know, and, and maintaining a safe driving distance and all that kind of crap. Yeah. And, you know, it, first off, the content obviously was boring, right? No one wants to sit there and go, you know, th- the driver of a car shall at all instances and with the exception of only blah, 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 colon, you know, subsection one, maintain his hands at two and mm-hmm. 10 o'clock or 10 and two, you know, it's, it's nothing like no one's listening to that going, yeah, man, this guy gets it right. Like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> People are only listening that to be like, holy crap, you have that entire thing. What the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> or how many times have you been to municipal court and had to recite the weird law about wearing a seatbelt? And like um, someone, someone said I quoted something wrong once and I never want to let that happen again. <laughs> yeah, right. And I'll be honest, like if a judge makes you feel stupid in court, which has happened to me before, like you do take a grudge and you do tend to to like go over the top to make sure it never happens again. But I can guarantee you no judge was like, "Oh, well, why don't you just go memorize the entirety of chapter 445 of the Texas Transportation Code?" I mean, like <laughs> there's even the worst judges in Texas and judges in Texas are pretty bad anyway, but even the worst (laughs) judges in Texas wouldn't be like, you need to go memorize this entire body of law, please. You know, (laughs) that's intense. Like, yeah, it is a number and reference it. (laughs) Yeah. And like, uh, meanwhile, like I I have to sit there and think every time, like, what the hell is my zip code? Like every time I'm putting payment information in on the internet, And then, like, what is my shipping zip code? Oh, it's the same as my billing. What the hell is my billing zip code? I mean, like, <laughs> you know, I'm doing that. And this guy's reciting, like, dense statutory law from memory. <laughs> but, you know, whatever. Some people, I don't know. I feel like some people just have a memory for that. Like, yeah. And just soak up and, and re-repeat things, like, really well. I mean, like, I think I'm one of those people because, like, and I know that definitely comes from my upbringing, like learning scripture and stuff like that and having to recite it and like incite like what book it is, what verse it is, all this kind of stuff. Like, I mean, that, that was my upbringing, man. And so like when it when I got into theater and like AP English and stuff, like there were like, you know, things where we had to learn, you know, either in theater I had a part or the radio show or something um, or in, in English, like we were you know, reciting like a famous speech or, um, a poem, you know, like, or like a speech from like MLK or like something like that. And it was like the whole dang thing. I was like, Whoa. <laughs> and like, I remember like getting those assignments and like everybody in the room, like kind of like looking around and not sizing each other up, but just being like, Oh shit, this is, this is <laughs> intense. That's like, that's an intense brain test. Like, that's not just like, what knowledge do you have? It's like, what is your retention motherfucker? Like, what can you <laughs> say this back to me? Like I, I, you know, like brutal, you know? And so like at the same time I had that in English and then in theater, you know, learning something and going into in a public setting with hundreds of pe- students watching. <laughs> so I, I, but I was unnervous. I was just like, well, you just gotta practice it. You just gotta do it over and over again. And like, I, I'm, I'm, I just came to realize like I'm, I'm one of those people where it's easy for me to like just soak it up, like, like matching a, a, a note, matching a tone. It's like really easy for me, um, memorizing like a, a, um, 
a piece of, of text, like, I don't know, but it was, it was, I mean, it was literally years of practice. I mean, like if I wasn't, if my parents weren't who they were, like, <laughs> I know I wouldn't, I wouldn't <laughs> have that in me, but like, cause that's how some, sometimes in my job that saves me because I'm so in my head about how I remembered, how I memorized things. Cause I'm like, you didn't say it that way. I would have made it 12 foot wide by 10 feet tall if you told me that, but you didn't tell right. me that. You said 10 feet by 12 feet, but the other way. And then, you know, go back to the email and sure enough, I was right. But like, <laughs> like that's why sometimes people at my job, they call me the sign lawyer, the lawyer, <laughs> because like I, I just, I, I take people to their word. You know, if it's in writing, it's like, it's locked in here and I'm going to hold you to it. And like, it's just, I don't know. My memory saved me a lot. So <laughs> it sounds like a terrible Doctor Who villain. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's not the Daleks or the Cybermen. It's the sign Lord. Um, <laughs> yeah, sign. no, it's, I can do, I can do like quotes, right? I, I can do mm -hmm. little bits and quips. I can't do a whole thing. I know, I know people who I took 10th grade English with who still mm -hmm. know the friends, Romans, countrymen speech from Julius oh, Caesar. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I like I don't. I remember friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears, and then that's the end of it. <laughs> yeah. I, I do. I mean, there are parts of the Constitution. Maybe I, I, I don't know if I could still do the preamble, but I, you know, there are parts of that that maybe I could do yeah. a little bit better. Um, you know, the occasional like bit of poetry from when I went through my like, no, no one understands me. And I'm the only one who likes poetry anymore phase when I was like 17. <laughs> but, um, yeah, other than that, like if it's not set to music, the odds of me remembering it are pretty bad. <laughs> 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 but by God, I know every single word of American pie. <laughs> <laughs> I can do yeah, nine minutes of music, but. <laughs> <laughs> See, and it's so it's so interesting too, just the power of music when it comes to memorizing something. It's like when it, if you had to recite a song, you know, it's like I'm not going to play you the music, but you just sing me the lyrics. There's some songs I could do that, and, but there's others like I know that you would you could ask me like, do you know a song? I'm like, oh yeah, man, like the back of my hand. But then you like they're like, oh well, recite it for me without the music. And I'm like, oh. I could probably get like, you know, the first few verses in, but then like I don't know, like the hook or like something like that. I'd be like, like man, what? What is My, that? Like, uh, it, 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 but if I hear the music, if I hear the music, it is like almost impossible for me not to remember. Like, it's just like they hear the actual instrumentals or whatever. It's just, it, that always blows my mind. Like when I haven't heard a song, I mean, like in years and years and years. And then, I mean, it could be something stupid and it comes on just because like I grew up with it or whatever. I'm like, oh man, it's all rushing back. It's just incredible. Like how, how our brains work sometimes. It's kicking yeah. the gear. I would love to see the trance you go in when you hear butterfly kisses these days. Something like some some KLTY special from back in the day, dude. Yeah, no, my you know my wife my, Martha thinks I'm insane because like if there's a song I haven't heard in years, I will remember a handful of words, but by God, I will remember the little bitty lick that happens like oh, during yeah. the break. and like it's like the tiny third little, guitar, yeah. and I'll, I'm like, yeah, listen to this when he goes, and she's like, how the hell do you remember that? And I'm like, I don't. I don't know. Let's see. That's <laughs> you know that's the pin so, of my credit card. I can't remember that. Let's <laughs> <laughs> see. That's what's so fantastic about music is that it has this. I don't know. This it draws you in for whatever reason. You know, it could yeah. be like you think that guy on that album cover looks so cool, and so you are convinced that everything that's about to get played on this album is like the definition of cool, and then like you 
go on 10 years and you're like, that album was terrible, but that guitar <laughs> solo was awesome. And I always thought he was super cool. And then you find out that it was a session guitarist and it wasn't even him that did it. And you're like, Oh <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like, there's just, there's just so much that like could draw you into, to an album or, or a song or an artist or whatever. And, and, but like that to where it's like years later, you're like, man, I just remember the guitar sounded so cool in this song. And you listen to it and you're like, yeah, it sounds pretty normal. I don't know why that stood out to me. Maybe I, maybe I just hadn't heard that type of tone just yet, you know, or that's the other thing too, is like nowadays, like you, you have so much to think about, you know, but like back then you're like, Oh, that was my first, you know, first time I found out, or you, now, you know, it's called a wah, but like back then you're like, what was that? You know, wonky, like sounding like guitar, like that sounded so mystical to me. Like, it's just a pedal, you know, it's just like, it's just so funny. Like, um, cause I was listening to Joe Rogan. Um, I don't listen to him very often, but if he has a guest on that, I like, I'll, I'll give him a shot. And, uh, I love it when he has, um, Joey Diaz on just cause <laughs> Joey Diaz is such a trip, man. And, uh, <laughs> and they were talking about, um, just the lengths that both of them went to, to get to where they are as a comedian and, and, you know, but they're saying that they wouldn't, if they had to go back and do it again, they they probably would just because this, they knew it was a struggle, but it was worth it. Um, but it's interesting to think of because, they, oh, and then they talk about music and they talk about how like when an audience member sees a comedian go up there and say things like, like Joey said that when he first saw a comedian go, he thought they were just talking to shit. He thought they just got up there and they were just given time. And so they just talked. He's like, but he didn't realize it was a planned, you know, coordinated, like written out thing, practice thing. And so they're just saying like, that's how both of them see music. Cause it's just like magic. They're like, you know, Gary Clark Jr. Gets up there on the stage and like, I don't know how it's happening, but like, man, he's getting me groove, you know, into the groove. Like, this is crazy. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's just, it's just so interesting how like er er everyone could find something that they like about a song that's totally different from someone else, you know, or like, well, I've said, I've given you this example before, like my, me and my wife will be talking about the same song and she's like humming something from it. And she's like, this is that one, you know, Bahamas song or that one, whatever. I'm like, is it? And it's because I always think of this one part and then she's singing like some like other, like higher, higher, higher range, you know, like part or whatever. I'm like, I don't remember that part in that song. And then we listen to it and both the parts are in it. I'm like, Oh, <laughs> this is where you just pay attention to different things. But Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's what's so fun we, about it. We do that with the Beach Boys a lot because my, mm -hmm. my wife, um, she grew up um, in a very, very religious, very conservative household. And they were really mm -hmm. only allowed to listen to religious music and like Josh Groban, you know. Yeah, um, not not dumping on Josh Groban, but like if that was the only thing I was allowed to listen to, I like I, you I know, I don't think Groban had a parental advisory album. So. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I don't think people like seeing you raise me up to rebel against their parents. Um, <laughs> but but, you know, like every once in a while, um, you know, if my mother in law was feeling a little rebellious, she would let the kids listen to. Um, like the beach boys. Mm, yeah. And it is kind of funny because sometimes that'll happen where my wife and I, it happened with Sloop John B not long ago off of pet sounds. One of the, you know, mm. one of my all time favorite albums, not that that's a unique opinion or anything, but you know, and there's a lot like a lot of beach boy albums. There's some pretty cool harmonies in it. And she was, she was, she could remember the higher register one, and I had completely 
forgotten about it. Like I was, I was listening to the lower registers and when I would even sing it in the car, like I was so focused on the lower, lower register harmonies that I almost tuned out, no pun intended, the, uh, the higher register ones. And that happened to us the other day. She was like, yeah, you know that one song? And it's like, and, and, you know, we listened to it. And I was like, oh, where you were going, I was going, <laughs> 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 and we were both right. Um, and we both felt we're both lawyers. So you can imagine how smart we both felt afterwards. Um, <laughs> it's good for us to be knocked down a peg. All law- lawyers are the worst, man. But uh, so it's if you ever get the chance to knock a lawyer down a peg, go ahead and take it. They, they probably need it. Um, <laughs> it happens to me pretty regularly anyway, because I'm, you know, stuff like that happens. But uh, but yeah, some lawyers, they don't get that enough in life. So seriously, next time if you have a friend that's a lawyer, next time you see him just or see them just be like, hey, you know what? You're kind of an asshole. And then they'll think about it for like a week and they'll be like, maybe I am an asshole. But it's good for them. <laughs> Because otherwise they start to feel invis- invincible. Um, <laughs> I tell everyone how it is. Yeah. They're like, well, I'm the, I am the bearer of truth. I am the torchlight of justice in this dark Vanguard world. Knowledge. And it's like, it's like, no, you're not. You, you charge $300 an hour to go. Nah, I don't know. Let me look it up. <laughs> to go to a discord server and figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if, if for, for people listening in California, $300 an hour in Texas is the equivalent of like 1500 bucks an hour in California. So just bear that in mind. <laughs> I have clients from California and they're like, everything is so cheap here. And I'm like, go back and ruin your own state more. Don't come here and then complain <laughs> that we can do things for a reasonable cost. Yeah. And then bring the costs up to some middle ground between that and what you're used to. <laughs> yeah. And by the way, that is not a political, I mean, it's, I don't, uh, not to, you know, welcome to politics with Ben and Sam, but um, <laughs> I, this is not a political statement. I'm not endorsing anyone in Texas because Texas has plenty of uh, bad, poli- <coughs> Greg Abbott, bad politicians <laughs> anyway. Um, but yeah, it's just like, I, I do lo- laugh at my California clients and uh, like, they'll be like, wow, it's so cheap. And I'm like, well, I can charge you more if you want. I mean, <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> if it will help ease your transition to the Lone Star State, I will happily charge you $1,500 an hour. And then I'll just go down a hundred bucks a year for the next 10 years. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's so crazy, but yeah, yeah. And by the way, last thing I'll say about like music and memorization and stuff just because this still cracks me up. So my, my business partner, um, Cole shooter, who I've, I've mentioned before, he is, he's very, uh, very musical. He, he plays organ at his church. He's a pretty Mm -hmm. accomplished pianist and all this stuff. And, um, he's like that where he can create his own mnemonic devices and that kind of thing where he sets deals to songs. Um, Mm -hmm. do you know the major general song from the, from the musical Pirates of Penzance. No, it's like, I very, am the very model of a modern major general. It's, it's a, Oh yes. Yeah. yeah it's a yeah. patter <laughs> song or whatever. I, I don't know. I'm not a big, I don't see a ton of musicals. Like I, I'm not knocking Rogers and Hammerstein. It's just not for me. Um, yeah. But anyway, so one time my business partner in high school was challenged to, do something like write a song to memorize every element on the periodic table. Mm. And he somehow made the periodic, the periodic table of elements fit to the major general song and he can still do it and play piano at the same time. 
And oh, wow. so he's like hydrogen, helium, beryllium, you know, carbon. I, I don't know. I'm not a scientist. Yeah. <laughs> that's you've literally heard yeah. every element I know. Gold. That's one of them. Um, neon. Uh, I know more than that, but um, yeah, it's just kind of funny. And he, but he can name all, you know, that's 200 crazy. elements or whatever there are. Yeah. <laughs> and, wow. Like, yeah, but but it is kind of funny because it's almost like the alphabet. Like if someone, you know, if I'm like, hey, what comes after T? I have to go. Right. That's actually what I was going like, to say. I was like, yeah, if, if someone said, it, ask him like, like or, or if he hears like one of the elements is like out and about, like someone says uranium and he's like, iron doesn't matter. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can be like, hey, shooter, where is manganese in the periodic table? And he's like, ah, I got to start at carbon or I got to start at hydrogen and manganese is like number 80. What? He's got to go through the whole thing. Wow. That's yeah, that's impressive. But yeah, would it be that's great crazy. if manganese was 80? That would be that would be so great. That's a complete shot in the dark. I'm going I'm to look <laughs> atomic number of manganese. Some somewhere there is there's like a chemist uh, listening to this <laughs> shouting an answer <laughs> talking about what, what an idiot. Oh, man, it's 80. Yeah, I am an idiot. Sorry, chemists. Oh, Wait, man. But see, like vanadium is number 23. What the hell is vanadium? <laughs> I, I, have you ever heard of vanadium in your life? I'm sure I, it's, it's it nice sounds like a, it sounds like an ancient Roman rapper. Ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together for vanadium. (laughs) (laughs) Traveling from Northern Africa to the British Isles, spreading the rules and spreading the word of the emperor. I've actually, I've never heard that element. I feel like I'm still trying to rack my brain here while you're saying that. Yeah, right. Like if you were on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire or some other more relevant show and they were like, which of the following is a real element? And they put vanadium. There is no way in hell I am picking vanadium. (laughs) Like there could be one called like banana ramium and I would be more likely to pick that. Like vanilla, yeah, the, vanilla the ice cream. And I'm like, yeah, that's probably right. That's probably more real than vanadium. Yeah. Vanadium sounds like Vin, uh, Vin Diesel tried to like make some kind of product. And <laughs> yeah. He's <laughs> like, yeah, you know how the Beatles had Beatlemania? We're going to have vanadium. <laughs> that's so terrible. <laughs> yeah, oh, it is going to run off of it in the Fast and Furious 10. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Fast 21 vanadium. That's going to be the thing. They're going to have to steal a truckload of vanadium, and that's going to be the movie that brings vanadium to the forefront of the zeitgeist. We got like in, some in, in 2033 <laughs> or whenever they make Fast and Furious 25, Vin Diesel's going to be 70. You know, and uh, but yeah, that's that's the thing. It's gonna like people, and it, but it'll it'll be like, um, what's Captain American? Uh, Captain America's shield made out of vibranium. Yeah, like people are gonna think it's like vanadium. Like, is that the same? Th- is that like vibranium where it's just some fake thing? <laughs> and you have Vin Diesel in the side. Yeah, no, I just I just made it up. I just I need to yeah. a movie. <laughs> 
if he had a sense of humor, he could be like, yeah, it can only be mined in Wakanda and it's, it's you can only get it from distilled kryptonite, you know, just completely mix all of the fictional places and things. <laughs> sorry, mean, sorry to merge the Marvel and DC worlds there, by the way, with <laughs> kryptonite and Wakanda, but, but you get the idea. Hey, well, he's, he'd be the one to do it. That is a big nerd. <laughs> yeah. If you anyone know, he, can bridge that gap, it's it's Vin. <laughs> yeah. Well he you know, he's a he's a big nerd man who's put his own dollar on the line many of the times to make yeah. his own, you know, fiction movies. Which, yeah. you know, I don't know. It it's one of those things where like when I used to watch his movies like throughout the two thousands, like growing up, like, yeah, I mean he was an action star and like all that and it was cool, but like I don't know. He was just like, I don't know, that's that's just him. He's just an action star. But I think it was the second Riddick, or maybe it was the third one, that like the studio didn't green light, but he really, really wanted to do it, that he he funded it himself. It's like whenever he did that, I was like, oh, whoa, this guy's like really in the fiction. And then like, yeah, like he like did more interviews after that. And it was like just really open about like, yeah, I'm really interested in like being in all sorts of like these types of movies and like getting just getting them made and um, just doing anything I can. And like, yeah, like he like produced them and, and then like, yeah, that's why he's in the Marvel movies. I mean, yeah, it's Groot, but I mean, that's why it wasn't surprising. Like the dude's super into it, but yeah, I don't know. And it's also someone I just wanted a guest, you know, the guy from triple X, you know, he's a super <laughs> comic book nerd. I'm like, all right. <laughs> Chronicles of but Riddick yeah. three, good Riddickens. Um, <laughs> <laughs> won the, won hey, the Academy what? Award for best picture that year, I think. Um, <laughs> <laughs> narrowly hey, beat he, out the king's speech um, <laughs> you know you know what we've neglected to talk about yeah the the actual topic, topic. that we agreed to <laughs> <laughs> anyway i think jim morrison would suck if he was still alive <laughs> all right so oh my god I don't, I'm not going to move the camera because I will somehow manage to screw this up, but you should see the look that my dog just gave me when I made that joke. He, he is so disappointed in me <laughs> with good reason. It's okay. I still love you, bud. Um, yeah. So seal seven, yeah. the ramblings of an idiot and <laughs> Sam Romo. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Samson's down with a mental patient to discuss nothing in particular. That's going to be the little. <laughs> that's going to be the little description on Apple and Spotify and stuff. <laughs> oh my god! By the way, I don't I, like my my dad has a rule. Mm-hmm. Um, this is going to that sounded way sterner than I'm in it. My dad's uh, one of the tenants that he lives by. One of life's little lessons that I've picked up from him. Mm-hmm. is if he wakes up in the middle of the night, he looks at his clock. Um, mm-hmm. If the clock says 3.59 a.m. or earlier, he goes back to sleep. Mm-hmm. If it says 4 a.m. or later, he just gets up. I've adopted mm-hmm. that rule. It's a pretty good rule. I, I like it. I think 4 o'clock's a good cutoff time. I mean, it's, the, you know, the times when I've tried to break the rule, I don't sleep any better, so... Um, and today was one of those days where I had to invoke the rule because like I couldn't sleep and I ended up just getting out of bed at like four 15. Mm. And so I don't know if I've been awake for about 11 hours now. Um, if I'm just not normally this loopy until like five 30 or six and I'm not in front of a microphone or, 
<laughs> or what. So I, I apologize for being a little bit of a spaz or a more of a spaz than normal today, I guess. If I can still say spaz, <laughs> I don't don't think that it has any. If that if spaz has any sort of specific derogatory meaning, I am very sorry. I did not mean it. Um, I, I'm using it in the same way I've been using it for the past 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, sorry. As, as you're saying that, one of my cats is attacking our window, and there must be something. <laughs> um, Spaz is a good way to describe most cats, by the way. Yeah, and that's a good segue. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, we can start the topic if you want. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, this is, sounds good to me. <laughs> all right, cool. <laughs> well, I'll um, I'll just throw in the first name. Um, cause I found in, in, in confirming the list, um, well, the topic this today is supposed to be like, what if the members of the 27 club had, um, just weren't members? What if they lived further? Um, and that's, you know, um, musicians who died, unfortunately at the early age of 27, um, I mean, spanning all time, <laughs> but, um, you know, some of the significant ones that everyone throws out there will be, you know, uh, Jimi Hendrix, uh, Janis Joplin, uh, Jim Morrison, uh, Brian Jones, Kurt Cobain. Kurt Cobain, and Amy Winehouse. Um, you know, and then one that like I would throw in there is Robert Johnson, you know, the blues, the blues, uh, the blues man. Yeah. Um, Poison to death, maybe. What's that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's uh, allegedly poisoned to death, although because because he died at a time when um, the keepers of vital statistics didn't really care. First off, they weren't really organized. And, you know, Robert Johnson sure. was a black man and a traveling musician in the southern United yeah. States. So they really, at the time, unfortunately, didn't care yeah. Um, yeah, but you know the, the story with him is that he was poisoned by a club owner for hitting on the club owner's wife. Hmm. Um, but uh, I don't, I don't know that that's ever been validated. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's so many like urban legends around his his life just because of like all the places he was and people that were aware of him. But just like yeah, just un undocumented stuff. Just because yeah, just because the dynamics of respecting him as an individual, I guess, weren't weren't there yet. You know, there wasn't anybody really trying to defend music history, you know, in the early 1900s, unless you were some classical, you know, composer or, or probably in the opera house or something like that. Um, Cause yeah, yeah I'm if, sure if, he was just seen as a traveling bard, you know, just someone just trying to make a couple, make money, make ends meet, but not, you know, create something, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't necessarily a fame and fortune thing. It was just that was the guy's job. But yeah, yeah, if there had been a podcast like this at the time, you know, it would have been like, well, if anything less complicated than Tchaikovsky is just basically country music. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Just um, totally different. But in in um in regards to the topic, um you know, it's, if he would have lived longer, uh, I guess just starting with him, because um, uh, just given the public knowledge that we have of him, I, I, I don't know how much more of an impact he would have had. I think if anything, maybe he would have traveled more um, and just gotten that Delta style 
just into, you know, deeper, deeper roots. Um, but you know, other than that, um, that's the only thing I could really think of is, is, you know, maybe if he was significantly fortunate because of his age, cause he, he died in, in 38 in 1938 at the age of 27. So, um, if he died at that time, you know, let's say into his forties, you know, he would have been in the late fifties. So he would have seen, you know, rock and roll take off and start to evolve if he lived into his like seventies, but it just, you know, what he would have decided to keep playing. Um, I mean, I would think so given that that was his like lifestyle was being a musician. Um, but it just would have been interesting to see what kind of record, um, not, not like album record, but what kind of like actual historical record would have, been accounted for like his life, you know, just, just to document more and to have him be able to confirm like what things he did and where he had been just so people knew. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I do wonder, you know, because basically every blues guitarist, um, and you know, blues, Blues and jazz get lumped in together and, and, you know, people have said that the jazz is the one true American art form. And I think blues can probably be considered part of that. But, um, you know, every blues guitarist for the last hundred years, um, has credited Robert Johnson at some point. Right. Sure, yeah. I mean, it, you know, everyone from from the Howlin' Wolf and, and Muddy Waters and, and, you know, kind of early blues pioneers like that, Blind Lemon Jefferson, you know, mm. to even, you know, John Mayer has talked about it, Joe Bonamassa, Stevie Ray Vaughan. I mean, you know, more a lot more recent guys. Yeah. Um, it would have been interesting to see that uh, it, it would have been interesting to see if he ever if he had made it to the 1960s. You know, and and he still would have been a relatively young man in the in the nineteen sixties. He would have been in his in his fifties, mm-hmm. but you know, he would have had the opportunity to a record with other people who had made their name on blues at the time. Um, yeah, you know, Bo Deadly, Muddy Waters, um, Howlin' Wolf, all those guys. But you know, he might have also played with kind of that next generation of people. And might have still been making music that was influencing people like Brian Jones, uh, you know, of course, a fellow member of the 27 Club and and Mm. um, probably the most talented individual musician of the entire British invasion of the 60s. But, um, you know, he he decided to drown his own pool. But uh, (laughs) well, I doubt that was a conscious decision. But, um, you know, it would have been interesting to see if he would have had that progress. And, you know, like Albert King. Um, another another blues legend, although kind of of that second generation, you know, he ended up mm-hmm. recording an album with Stevie Ray Vaughan, and right. and Muddy Waters had recorded with with other people, and BB King recorded with literally anyone with a pulse and access to a recording studio, yeah. and so it, it would have been interesting. And then you know, like Eric Eric, uh, I almost said Eric Johnson, but Eric Clapton, um, a different British blues guitarist, um. You know, he he even recorded an album called uh, "Me and Mr. Johnson." I think that was just Eric Clapton oh, covers right. of Robert Johnson songs, and so yeah. it, it would have been interesting to to see if there had been more of that. But but really, the most interesting thing I think is would he have been famous um, or right. as famous? Because you right. know, the whole thing is Robert Johnson is he 
he and I'm I'm just going to I'm not gonna I'm gonna quit saying allegedly because the lawyer in me loves it and the human in me hates it. Um, but you know the story goes that Robert Johnson sold his soul to the devil at the crossroads of Highway yeah. 61 and you know BFE Mississippi, and then uh, overnight became a very you know a, a virtuoso of the guitar, and then a short time later. Uh, flirted with the wrong woman at a bar and was poisoned by the bar's owner and never really got to live long enough to see himself become famous for what he wanted. Um, So that is interesting, but, but a lot of what follows Robert Johnson around is the legend, right? It's, it's, Mm. this is the guy who sold his soul at the crossroads and this is the father of modern blues and all that stuff. But yeah, you know, if he had been one, if he had just been another guy, you know, because he recorded what we would now call like two albums worth of work. He recorded some in San Antonio and some in Dallas. Um, but, you know, it, it's not it, it is hard to speculate because it's not like it's not like where it's not like he was Jim Morrison or Kurt Cobain where he died at the height of popularity. Right. Um, he died right. young and became popular as his legend grew. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just the individual, too, like how how would he even interacted with that kind of fame you know it's like would his traveling lifestyle make him i don't know i don't know we'll never know but but yeah that's it's um yeah i he's 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 a, a good one to include in the group because like it because I, I don't know i'm trying to make it analogous to something like like a painter like i'm trying to think of a painter like 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 monet like he wasn't like super popular but then when he died like you know he erupted um and van gogh um, was the same way yeah exactly I mean, you know no one um, no one cared who van gogh was while he was alive i mean he sold yeah. like three paintings <laughs> yeah and and uh because so I, I just think about that um and just think like you know like because even van gogh i mean he had you know his personal problems and stuff like that and like if he would have gotten into the limelight like would he have generated more or would he have, you know what, what would that have done um but yeah, it's just really interesting. It's almost like it might be better for like some of those people that had that life to come not not to live longer, but to go away and then somehow come back. <laughs> like yeah. twenty years later, you come back and you're like, "Oh, wow, you think you really see me, huh?" You know, because that's just got to be such a different perspective on someone's life. I'm like, yeah, they lived a long life and they did all these things, but like, oh, they lived a short and tragic life and they did this one thing that was really good, and then like everybody knows it. Like, I don't know, it's just. There's just so many like weird, weird perspectives on like life and like media to like, I don't know, to digest that, to think like, um, I don't know, or as a professional to like, look at that as a, uh, like a, a, a guide to like what you want your style to be. And, and he was just making it up, you know, it's like, or, you know, or, um, yeah, I don't know. That's just gotta be really interesting to, to come from that total well yeah like just like with van gogh like total different form of success or if any to like you're a master and you didn't even know it you know like that's just that's gotta be crazy because like yeah i don't know i'm just split i'm split between like the the side of my brain that's like but they're the master like of course if you gave them 20 30 more years it would branch out into something great but like if they didn't die that quick or tragically would it have gotten an attention, you know? And like, I don't know. It's just, 
I mean, that's something you can ponder with all these people we're about to talk about. But uh, with Johnson, it's interesting just because there's so much legend and so much undocumented stuff. Um, But then you look at someone, um, which you've already touched on, um, like Brian Jones. And um, because he died, was it like 69? Let me see. I yeah. think so. I, I meant to write more of that down. And yeah, he forgot. died July third, sixty nine. Um, yeah, from from uh, drugs. Supposedly, he was discovered yeah. in a swimming pool. Um, July third, nineteen sixty nine. Just one more British guy that couldn't bear to see another anniversary of American freedom. But um, <laughs> yeah, he he. Well, he Drowned in a swimming pool, and the official coroner's report says death by misadventure, which is the only fun fact I know about Brian Jones's death. <laughs> hmm. The the other thing I didn't realize um, when I started reading into to when he died and all that, and of course it gives like a little bio breakdown about him or whatever. Um, I didn't realize. Cause I mean, I, I'm a Stones fan, but like not to the level of like the Beatles or like, I don't know. I, I respect the Stones, but I don't know like everything about them. You know, I've never right. been like that with them. Um, one, I didn't realize that he was the founder and original leader. Like I never knew that. And that he named the band. Um, that was yeah. crazy. I never knew that. Um, yeah, I, I just never knew that. I mean, I knew I knew what he did in his parts and like all the songs that he was on up until that point, but I didn't realize like in forms of like band leadership, like that's like that he, yeah, I don't know. Because in my mind, I'm still thinking, you know, Jagger or... Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's Mick and Keith's band and Brian was just yeah. part of it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's... It is crazy, and and he, um, you're right. I mean, he was the founder. He was kind of a fan fav- favorite. He was a little bit like John Paul Jones from Led Zeppelin in that um, mm. he could just play any instrument you Anything. put in front of him yeah. and do it well quickly. Mm. Um, but I, I think, I believe he had been kicked out of the Rolling Stones by the time he yeah. died, just because he had he had become so unreliable. Yeah, um, his lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. I mean, of course, when he showed up, he was still an incredible musician. It was just you couldn't, you know, you couldn't get him to show up anymore. And uh, yeah, so I, I do, I, I do. Yeah, it is interesting. It is interesting. But yeah, it's funny if you find old footage of um, Rolling Stones concerts and that kind of stuff. If they talk to uh, girls in the audience, you know, mm-hmm. they'll they'll be like, "Well, and who are you, young ladies, here to see?" And all of them are like, "We want to see Brian Jones." he's so cute and all this stuff and it's just kind of like you know not that anyone has ever really accused Mick Jagger or Keith Richards of being cute and so it's kind of a low bar but still I mean you know he's like oh he's from England and has blonde hair sign me up Um, but um, yeah it is it is kind of interesting though but I I do think it would be I, I think I think if Brian Jones had lived, one of three things would have happened. Hmm. Um, He either would have eventually found his way back to the Rolling Stones and the Rolling Stones would have had basically the career they've had, but with Brian Jones instead of a revolving door of of rhythm and lead guitarist, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, or he would have gotten clean and his music would have sucked. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> or he would have been kind of like a Jeff Beck type where I think he he probably would have continued to be a great musician, but just wanted to do it in his way. Sure. Um, and, well, you know, like every, everything I've ever read about Jeff Beck talks about what a great guitarist he is and 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 a, a talented uh, producer, has a great ear for music, obviously, but that he just is – what I have read about Jeff Beck is that he is very, very controlling about his music. And, you know, it's kind of his way or the highway, which I get. Um but I could see Brian Jones being a little bit like that if if he had just been he started making music for himself and you know it wasn't really about a pop hit or having anything on the charts anymore. It was just what he wanted to do. But yeah. ultimately, I mean, if I had to put money on one of those, it would have been that he would have found his way back to the Rolling Stones and and history would almost be the exact same. Um yeah. Except that you'd see Brian Jones, you know, selling out stadiums at the age of eighty instead <laughs> instead well, yeah. of Bill well, Wyman. I would, I would think it would it, it would yeah it would either be yeah option one he ends up getting back with the Stones and um, things are basically pretty similar to how it's played out um, or like he walked away with from it like altogether um, or or he did kind of like the. I guess we can call it the, the the George Harrison like route where like you're in and out of drugs, you know, it's like, Oh, you have your mo your seasons where like, Oh, you're, you're totally out of that lifestyle. But then you, you know, the next year you're back in it. And then the, the year after that you're out of it. And then you, the next year you're in it just a little bit. But then the one thing I think that gave Harrison a lot of healthy momentum in one of the most tumultuous, you know, seasons of his life with the Beatles breaking up and his divorce and, mother dying and just like not knowing what's next and the seventies are around the bend, uh, is that he collaborated a lot, a lot, a right. lot. And I think that that healed him in a way is, you know, being embraced by people constantly being re reaffirmed about like who he is and what he's capable of and what, what's real not just like what's what you feel. And, and, you know, I was trying to think of someone else that had, you know, Problems with drugs, also in the limelight, but did something about it. Maybe still in that community that used it and and, and abused it, but still, you know, worked it worked its way out into something that was good music and good for him. You know, I would think something one someone like this should do this type of you know work. And, you know, if they're going through a, a a hard time, is to collaborate and to really you know, just, just express and just exercise, you know, because it's like, you're good at doing those things. And, and I think what's putting you down is you're not having an outlet for it or you're not being fed by something. And so, um, you know, to, to be, you know, either kicked out or taken out of your band and then to come to terms with your own personal problems and drug use and to combat that with, you know, productivity and building community, you know, I mean, that's how, that's, that's how I see what George was doing and, and there's others, but like, you know, I mean, like Jimmy was kind of doing it too, you know, like Hendrix was, was collaborating a lot, you know, before he died. Um, and, you know, I mean, I, I guess that's a good segue into him. Um, that with Jimmy, you know, that's another one that there's a, um, conspiracy or whatever that it could have been his, his manager, I believe that, um, made him overdose 
Um, but just like, I don't know. Um, just one of those people that, you know, the collaborations I just feel like really brought out who they really were, you know, it's like, instead of having to define like, this is my album, this is who I am. Instead it was like, this song is how I am when I work with this person or like, this is how it is when I work with a, a soul, you know, producer or like, or a, or, or a drummer that normally only plays funk or like whatever, but it just gives you a different, you know, sense of who you are. So you know who you are better. Um, and I just think a, a struggling artist, not in like a financial sense, but in a, a mentality or a mental sense, that's typically what you would struggle is a battle of, of emotions and, you know, imposter syndrome and like, feeling connected and and i don't know that's one thing that's so beautiful about seeing the work like all things must pass or um i don't know i'll just stick with that that it's you know there's so many people involved in it and it's such a big piece of work but it almost feels therapeutic i mean you listen to it i feel like some of those those tracks had to have been therapeutic for you know harrison to get out get done and and to just just to work it out with a group that, you know, respected him and, 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 and all that. I just feel like that, that would have been option three is someone like Brian would have branched out and made a new super group or made a new group that, you know, evolved into something really great. Um, just so he could have gotten that creative, you know, energy out, um, not get so stuck in his own tortures and thoughts. But, you know, when it comes to Jimmy, I know I just said it, there's disputes about the details about his death. Um, but, um, you know, when it comes to what would have happened with Jimmy, you know, moving forward, you know, I brought this up before, you know, uh, McCartney wanted him on his album, his next album. Uh, Miles Davis had brought up interest in using him. Um, then you just have all of the, the people that loved him that if he would have just showed up and said like, I'm willing to work with, you know, anybody, you know, who would have, who would have tried to pick him up, who would have tried to grab him, you know, would the Isley brothers say like, you know, come back, <laughs> come, come be with us and do a reunion <laughs> album, you know, and go for your guns could have had a couple of Jimmy tracks on it or something. Um, <laughs> or, you know, or even like, um, I don't know. Like you think about how rock started to evolve, you know, like what he would have, would he evolve into the heavier stuff? Would he, um, would he have a disco moment? You know, like what, <laughs> you know, like where would he have gone? Would he have gotten more progressive, you know? Um, and when you listen to like electric Ladyland and stuff like that and, and, um, oh, I'm forgetting what's the, is it freedom? Is that the album, his posthumous album, or it's his face like made out of birds or whatever? Yeah. I think it's I, that one. Yeah. Um, you know, he's starting to use like a backing choir, like, you know, backing vocalists. He's starting to use um, different types of, of, of instruments. Um, and Electric Ladyland, I mean, there's all these like, well, I mean, in the uh, the experience too, in the first one, there's also like really trippy stuff. Well, in Axis too, I mean, there's all these really psychedelic themes, but like, it's almost like as the album's gone on, like, you know, he got weirder with it or would like add in like bigger themes of that, you know, that weirdness that made it feel, you know, atypical. And so I, I just wonder like if time went on, did he like, cause that's, that's some, that's a cool thing about Jimmy albums is like half the album is like really cool, solid rock music. And the other half is like a psychedelic experience. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> and so like, I just wonder like if, as time went on, you know, like would one side kind of take over the other or would he, maybe that was always a, an, an intention of his is to keep that balance, you know, and maybe that would have been a, a success of his is to keep this weird progressive, you know, uh, experimental side, but then still just, you know, nailing really good rock, you know, just solid songs with stuff that he's making. Um, yeah, I don't know. For some reason, though, I just have this idea in my head that like if Jimmy m- made it past that season of his life, I just, I just feel like he wouldn't have made it through the 80s, though. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, you know, with Jimmy, first off, I, I agree with your uh, <laughs> with your prognosis. And I, I, it is funny because <clears throat> the way someone and I, man, I, I really wish I could credit this friend, but I, I can't remember who it was or this person. I can't remember who it was said it that with mm. with Jimi Hendrix albums, it's like your the music is either like you're at the dentist office in the waiting room, or you're at the dentist office in the waiting room, and that's when the drugs kick in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, personally, I I think that. I think that Jimi Hendrix was due for some sort of tragedy. I, I, I you know, mm. whether it was a, a car wreck or, I mean, something had to slow him down. Mm. Um, and I, I think he probably would have become a little bit of a journeyman. Um, you know, and I, I think I, I agree with you. I think he would have started making, I mean, continued to make music for him, but would have helped mm. collaborate with a lot of people. And I mean, mm. I would have loved to have heard, you know, Bitches Brew or whichever it album it was, the Miles Davis album that, that yeah. would have included Jimi Hendrix. I mean, that would have been incredible. You know, I don't know how well it would have worked with the uh, with a Paul McCartney collaboration. Um, but, you know, it, I mean, you know, I would have listened to it. Right. And I, I think he would have probably gotten into some of the jam culture, too. I mean, you know, well, he bands really, like the Grateful Dead. So, I yeah, mean, you know, yeah. that's a good point. Um, the jam thing, because he was really into that. And that was one thing that's like some of his people, like I'm forgetting his bassist and the experience's name, but like he wasn't a jam person. And like they would constantly butt heads that way is because him and, and Ginger would want to still just play out, get the energy out, maybe think of something, create something, you know, while they're there. And the other guy, the bassist would be like, no, I'm not into that. Just tell me what I'm supposed to be playing. And, right. and so like, yeah, like, yeah, to see a jam culture build, like, yeah, I, I really think, shoot, I mean, given, given like, I don't know if, if he really went into it. I mean, he, he could have been dead in company, you know, back in the eighties, you know, he could have yeah. started that like, yeah, Jimmy, Jimmy and the dead, you know, the Hendrix, you know, the grateful, grateful yeah, dead. the grateful yeah, experience. Yeah, that's what I was trying to think of. It was like some kind of mix up, but like, yeah, that would that would you know people would would freak out over that. That's like that's like hippie squared. Um, oh yeah. Um, but like, yeah, but that's really interesting though to try and think of him in terms of jam culture nowadays. That's huh. well, because like you know, have you ever heard um, all of Stephen Stills' like solo album? Just Stephen Stills. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause you know, he's on that and Clapton is on it too. Right. Um, and, uh, I think the song that Hendrix is on is called old times. I believe that sounds and right. 
and that is a killer song. He kills. Oh, yeah. I mean, it is literally just like Stephen Stills, just like nice little groove, you know, song of his. And you just have Jimmy just in the background, just like he's losing his mind. And uh, I just, I just think about that. Like, I don't know. It's like I, you think about all the songs that have released over the last fifty years. That like, oh, it's a great song, but like, oh, okay, this kind of ties into our topic from a couple of weeks ago. It's like, what's? But that guitar solo gave me chills, though. I go back to it for that guitar solo. It's like I just feel like if Jimmy lived to be let's just say on par with like just George Harrison's age. So, you know, like to like 2000, 2001, whatever. I feel like there would have been so many songs that he featured on that just had that, that killer solo, you know, it's like that, you know, it's like, you know, Santana is known for that. Like whenever he's featured on a, on an album or a song, you're like, Oh yeah, that's definitely, that's a Santana solo or like whatever. It's like, I just feel like, media would have been uh, littered <laughs> was just like, we got to get Jimmy in here. And obviously it would have been up to him if he, or, or whatever, or his team, you know, who, who they made the deals with. But yeah, I just, I just get that feeling out of these people that, that, um, that really were a creative force. Like they didn't, they weren't just like had one good thing they were good at, but like they were really a creative force that, like, you know, like when they left, when they died at the band, like totally pivoted or I like could never, never went on anyways, is that like, that's what would have been really cool to see them evolve into is cooler and bigger collaborations and, and groups and stuff like that. Um, yeah. I mean, Jimmy. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, it, the only one in this group that I wouldn't say that about would probably be Jim Morrison. Oh, my gosh. I was just about to say the same thing. Yeah, like Jim. Like, first off, I want to hear Jimi Hendrix play the solo on "Down by the River." Just speaking of Stephen Stills in general, um, <laughs> like how great would that have been? Not that, not that Neil Young and Stephen Stills didn't absolutely crush that solo anyway. But um, anyway, that would have been a good one. Yeah. yeah. So the list, or a, a Crosby, Stills, Nash, Young, and Hendrix. Oh yeah. <laughs> So the list I wrote down, because I, I, I was, I had to refresh my memory and yeah, I, I wrote Robert Johnson, Brian Jones, Jimmy Hendricks, Janis Joplin, uh, Jim Morrison, uh, Pigpen from the Grateful Dead, who was their original keyboardist, mm-hmm. uh, Pete Ham from, from Badfinger, which I do think, I think oh, yeah. he probably had the largest upside because Badfinger never really became like a huge band, but, but Pete Ham was incredible. And then Kurt Cobain was, that's the list I made. And, and Pete, I, Pete and Ham is one of the saddest next to Jim Morrison. I, I just have a question mark. Cause I, I just don't know. And, and, you know, Kurt Cobain, I, and I know that this is a, this is a super macabre thought and I apologize for that, but, you know, if Kurt Cobain hadn't died at 27, he probably would have died at 28. I mean, I like, mm. I think well, that know, guy he, just had demons that, that, well, you know, he had a plan. He had like a star plan that like he had the objective to become a star, but he had, I think it was a $2 million plan. It was either two or one. I'm pretty sure it's two. Cause I remember thinking that's weird that he didn't do two or he, it's weird that he didn't think 1 million, but he thought 2 million was a good objective he had the objective that as soon as he made two million dollars as a star that that's when he was going to start his heroin habit <laughs> wow like i guess he had some kind of like john lennon like esque like 
Well, he was doing heroin in a Rolls Royce. So, you know, he lived, he would have lived longer if he just wasn't shot. You know, like maybe that's, maybe that's the concept. But I remember reading that, that he, he had a concept of like, there was a certain height of fame that that's where he was going to just go all in and go full, full chaos mode. Um, but I do agree with, with both things you just said that, um, one with Cobain, like, yeah, I just, I just think there is a, some dark themes in him that he couldn't shake. Um, and it would have either ended up in, you know, either like a bad publicity thing or, or yeah, just something personal that took him out of it. But I just, yeah, I, I just think that dude needed help. <laughs> he did. But I think, yeah. And I think if he would have had some kind of, um, you know, producer or some kind of industry cat that got obsessed, you know, like, okay, you know, I'm trying to think of like, you know, cause you know, like Elton John and Eminem are like really tight because right. Elton John is one of his sponsors and like, he understands every bit of the stardom that will get to Eminem. And you're like, Oh, that's random. But then like, you think about it and you're like, well, they probably could relate way more than I could relate to Eminem, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, and, uh, and so I used to think about that, you know, you think about, Kurt Cobain's note that he leaves when he dies and, you know, he quotes Neil Young. Um, and then Neil Young, you know, gets interviewed and, you know, obviously like immediately after that becomes public and, you know, Rolling Stone, everyone's like, you know, did you, you know, do you ever interact? And he's like, I never knew the guy. I didn't even know the guy liked my music, you know? And he's like, but, you know, and he's like, but I appreciate it. And, and, but to think like if Cobain did something and got someone like, you know, Neil Young involved or some kind of old head, that had already lost a friend or two or 10 to drugs and the lifestyle that, you know, he could have coached him. He could have like told him different things, how to handle those thoughts or how to handle whatever scenario that could trigger something. But I don't know. That, that's what I think of, you know, I, I, I think of some kind of old head or, or, or a current person, you know, like Eddie Vedder or somebody that could have, you know, just like they collaborate and work together just for accountability purposes, just to keep each other out of the shit, you know? But I just think as an individual, maybe he just, he just, you know, thought that was his, you know, his, his, uh, uh, burden, the bear. And he just, you know, thought it was time, but yeah, I think you're right. And it's, uh, you know, I don't, I've always, you're right. Because, you know, when it's, when he quotes, uh, you know, Hey, Hey, my, my, or, or mm-hmm. whichever one it was that that came from, um, y- you know, it is funny because the, when I, when I learned that I did not know Neil Young's catalog. Right. Mm-hmm. And then I got older and I had started listening to Neil Young more and I'm like, okay, so Kurt Cobain knew, Hey, Hey, my, my, but he didn't know the needle and the damage done. I mean, like another, <laughs> and I know, I know that's a messed up and probably insensitive thought to have on my part. And I, I do apologize because I'm not, I'm not ragging on it, but I'm like, you know, that to me proves that Kurt Cobain just had his demons because the, the messages in those songs, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's well, better to burn album. out than to fade away. I mean, okay, that's yeah. that's something, right? Go out in a blaze of glory. But then, I mean, seriously, the needle and the damage done is literally about losing people to heroin, and and not that you know, Kurt Cobain didn't die of a heroin overdose, but 
I don't think well, and- anyone could could you know reasonably say that heroin helped his situation in any way. Right. I mean, right. So, well, and or any situation. I, I think of too, like, and and I know, like, if you ask a, a modern like person that says they're a Neil Young fan, like, yeah, you have streaming, you have so much stuff you can access to give yourself a, a wide range of knowledge. And like back then in like the eighties, like, yeah, it just depended on what, what you had, you know, what physically you had or what was on the radio. But if you're listening, if he's quoting, Hey, Hey, my, my, I would wager that he owned Rust Live or Live Rust or um, one of those, one of those offshoots. Because that's the only way he would get that song. That song's not on any other. Right. It wasn't a single. It wasn't like anything like that. So he had that full album. And that whole album is like dedicated to like his roadies and friends that he lost, literally. I mean, he's literally wearing i think it's on the back cover of rust live you see his guitar strap and he's literally wearing pins of the different artists that have died he has like a jimmy pin i think he has a brian brian pin um on his strap um i know you can at least see the jimmy one it's like a real big one and like yeah and like like the theme of like half those songs is like losing someone in that lifestyle or like whatever um or drug use or like whatever. And then, yeah. or And that's just that album, you know? And then you have the, the, yeah, I mean, you're, you're talking about harvest and, right. And, uh, and still, yeah, it's just really interesting, but see, I could also see someone seeing someone in the limelight singing about it, seeing it as like, like a folk tale of like, Oh, that's just a part of the life. You know, it's like, you might lose some friends, you know, and just like seeing it almost like military service. Well, I'm doing something cause it's important to me. And like, yeah, I might lose some friends, but like, that's a part of the get, you know, it's like, but it's music, man. Like what the, like, you know, like it's just really interesting, but like, yeah, with Cobain, I just see he, if he lived past that, he would have had to collaborate, um, healthy in a healthy way, um, to keep it, um, evolving, and just existing, honestly. Um, but with Morrison, I just feel like he he would have had to figure out how to balance his his usage. I mean, alcohol was what killed him, but um, that and 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 I don't I don't think he would have ever changed bands. Like that's what I was going to say before. Is like you know, with all these other people, I keep saying like, oh, they're so musical and they could have collaborated. You know, even with Amy Winehouse, I think that would have happened because her main producer was Mark um, Ronson. Right. And Ronson, you know, she was one of his first like producer like projects. I mean, he had produced like different rappers and stuff like that because he comes from the New York DJ world. But like she was kind of a new venture and, you know, he handled it really well. But his main thing is collaborating, you know, like big time across the board all the time. So I just felt feel like, you know, if she lived longer, like she would have warmed up to that and really started collaborating like crazy. Um. Yeah, we then, we uh, did we missed out on a Bruno Mars, um, <laughs> you know, like a Bruno yeah. Mars Amy Winehouse produced by Mark Ronson kind of thing. I mean, you know, because because uh, Mark Ronson produced and and played guitar on uh, the big jeez, uh, uh, funk, Uptown Funk. Oh, 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 yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's on you his know, album. Right. And, you know, yeah, yeah, I guess that was really Bruno Mars collaborate, but it doesn't matter. But, uh, you know, the idea is it's still the same players. And, you know, 
he obviously has an ear for it, Mark Ronson, that is. And Amy Winehouse's voice was so, so good um, and versatile. And, and, you know, and I think Bruno Mars, he's just one of those guys. And I, I, you know, I don't listen to Bruno Mars, so I I could be off base here, but like, Bruno Bruno Mars strikes me as one of those guys that probably just really enjoys what he's doing and it probably makes people around him enjoy it too, mm-hmm. you know? Um, yeah. And so I, I do think that missing out, like, I, I mean, I was kind of making a joke, but really, I mean, seriously, like an Amy Winehouse, Bruno Mars, Mark Ronson well, thing. Thinking. I mean, that, that's, that's a, that is a long lasting pop hit just waiting to happen. I mean, if they could figure out how to bring Pharrell Williams into it, then it would be, it would be on the charts for like three years. Um, but Jim Morrison, and you know, Jim Morrison, I think was a notoriously difficult person too. Um, well, that's what I say. I don't, and I, I don't think collaborating would treat him right. Like would, and I, I, just, I don't think I. I mean, he needed the doors. He needed he yeah. needed those guys in that environment, and. Um, you know, you're, I'm with you. I don't think, I think if anything, he might've become like a Leonard Cohen type who, you know, wrote songs and, and recorded music that may or may not have been well received, uh, by yeah. critics, but never would have been popular. Well, I, I would you know? see like the doors, like taking some kind of pivot and being like, look, man, our lead, you know, you're saying we can't be, we can't be on your record without, we can't be on your label without our lead, our lead can't keep up this lifestyle at the rate that you're asking for to where we can maintain this. So if we switch from an album a year to an album every three years while Jim writes poetry and, and we, you know, we do session work or, you know, we teach or like whatever, then we'll just do it that way. So we can maintain our sanity, you know, like something like that, like a pivot like that. Yeah. I just, yeah. I just see if anyone like, I, yeah, I just don't see him going anywhere else, um, or like any other band willing to put up with him. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like it's like Hot Tuna, you know, Hot Tuna, and and if you, I don't know if you're a Hot Tuna guy. I love Hot Tuna, not the actual. I don't eat fish, right, but yeah. um, <laughs> but uh, Hot Tuna is a great band, mostly acoustic and mostly blues based. But what it was is they were the, they were basically Jefferson airplane minus Grace Slick, the lead singer. Mm. And they started touring as, as hot tuna when Grace Slick would, you know, be too drunk to function or be in jail or rehab or whatever. I I don't Mm. know. I've never really liked Jefferson airplane or any of the subsequent iterations of Jefferson airplane. So Maybe I'm not the guy to talk to about it because they're like, oh, yeah, you know, that Jefferson airplane. I'm like, yeah, they suck. Um, but anyway, <laughs> um, but, you know, uh, it, it's but yeah, I, I could see if the like the, a Ray Manzarek led um, hot tuna esque thing where, yeah, it's like, OK, well, Morrison is going to go to France and he's going to. He's going to read Hemingway and write poetry at the Arc de Triomphe in twilight. And, you know, he's going to drink, he's going to drink too much on the banks of the Seine and spend a night in a Parisian jail. And, uh, and then in the meantime, the rest of us are going to be touring California and making music the best we can, you know, and then every, like you said, every couple of three years or whatever, 
um, you know, Jim Morrison will like get the itch to go back to LA and record an album or bring them out to Paris and record an album or whatever. Then they'll make an album and that'll be it. Um, and I, I'm with you. I, I think that that probably is what they needed. I don't know if anyone would have made that conclusion, um, back then, especially at a time where mental health issues were not at the forefront, you know, like now, anytime there's anything, people think mental health first, which I think is a, is a good Mm -hmm. development, you know, as a society. Right. Yeah. Um, I do think it's gone a little too far in some things, but that's a conversation for a different day. But, um, you know, now in 2022, Jim Morrison and Kurt Cobain, um, Amy Winehouse, even, you know, they, they would be treated and seen much differently. Um, yeah. and, and it's just like, um, uh, what's her name? The pop star who, oh Lord, this is going to suck. That is such bad commentary. This is a music podcast, isn't it? Um, but you know, there's the, the kind of ah, crap. I can't remember her name, but you know, she's a pop star and it has like a cocaine and heroin, problem and has been on and off of it for a little bit oh my god it's mm. gonna bug the hell out of me it's not <laughs> selena gomez but it is someone like in that vein Cyrus? no although that would be uh <laughs> that would be unsurprising i guess um <laughs> um but anyway it's kind of like one of those things where it, it just you know i don't know it's it's one of those things where people um, look at her with a with a more sympathetic, uh, oh, a more sympathetic yes. Good grief! Why could I not remember that? For some like, reason, as soon as you framed it like that, <laughs> like yeah. everybody started to embrace her with more sympathy. I'm like, oh, it was her. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and yeah. and you know, it's it's whatever. I mean, I don't I don't think people look at Demi Lovato as some sort of washed out junkie. I right. mean, no, yeah. you know, I think they yeah, see that's... her as someone who had, you know, struggled to handle what life was giving her at the time. And sure, yeah, she she's self-medicated, but now she has made her way back to yeah. some version of the straight and narrow with the support of those around her. And, uh, you know, whether and, and now it also takes that point of view at some point to get it. I mean, you know, you have to believe in yourself to be able to do that in order to do it. And, you know, did Kurt Cobain or Jim Morrison or whomever else, did they have that in them to believe in themselves the way that it is required to um, to overcome some of that? And I, I like to, I mean, you know, not to get too like, but, um, you know, I like to believe that everyone is capable of overcoming that. Um, sure. Uh, but, you know, well, yeah, so, some, some people speculate, yeah. um, I think they even say it in, in that documentary that the doors endorsed or whatever that came out a few years ago, that Johnny Depp narrated or whatever, that it was actually him him and his fiance like working to cut the alcohol out of his diet is what killed him. It was the system shock. It was the, (laughs) it was like the fact that like he wasn't drinking copious amounts and like keeping it in his system that it shocked his heart and gave him the heart attack. Um, Like, yeah, it was like, it was actually the, it was the action of stopping 
that threw him off. So it, and then like, that's not, that's not to say it's like, Oh, you should have never stopped, but just like having the awareness of the severity and not even realizing like, dude, you're so in it. Like you're so in it that you have to wean off. Otherwise you're dead. Like now we know that, you know, but back then like that was speculation for some, but like, yeah, I don't know. It's just like, cause I mean, you know, the label hired professional drinkers to go out with the band after the shows to keep eyes on Morrison and he would still drink them under the table. Like the drinkers that like people that were supposedly supposed to like keep up, <laughs> like that's all they did. Like they still couldn't keep up with him. Like it's just like, yeah, I don't know. And then like the withdrawals that he must've had just hit him. Like, yeah, it's just, it's just crazy. Like, like he, he did move to France to get away from LA and like to try and like, change but like it was kind of that abrupt change that kind of brought on the problems in a way but like i don't know at least he tried but like yeah i don't know it's it's just interesting um just the i don't know the, the theme that i keep seeing and i keep saying too is if if any of these artists had continued on further the biggest thing isn't just like what would this individual come become but what would they have grown into based off of the community they would have you know inherited or warmed up to or you know brought them into their groups um and just seeing what what that would have proved um i don't know that's just always where my mind goes from <laughs> thinking like you know nowadays we're we're like in the era of like collaborations and features and stuff like that um i mean it's always been a collaborative effort to make music but now it's never been so you know documented and and, and noted so much and, and easy to find so yeah i don't know now, and I know, and I know, I know we're pushing time here, and I I don't want to keep going because I know we both have other stuff to do today. But I did, I did briefly want to talk about Janice Joplin a little bit too. Yeah, what you got? Well, so she and and Amy Winehouse to a similar extent, uh, right? I mean, I think I think they both had um, kind of similar issues dealing with, but you know, Janice Joplin. I probably have had the most difficult time figuring out what would have happened to her had she kept going. Mm. Um, because, you know, she, she had such a soulful voice, but mm. not a great voice. I mean, it, it's my, and I, I, I don't, I'm not ragging on her, but I want to, I want to make clear what I'm saying. Like, my judge, my my metric for does this person have a great voice is would you want that person singing the national anthem at game seven of the World Series or mm. the Super Bowl, right? Sure. And yeah. it's like, you know, there are a lot of people like Bob Dylan. I like Bob Dylan's voice. It fits the music. I don't want Bob Dylan singing right. the national yeah. anthem, right? right. Um, Aretha Franklin. You betcha. Yeah. I mean, I would, I'd, I'd listen to Aretha Franklin sing literally anything, <laughs> um, you know, but Janis Joplin, I love her music, love the way her voice plays with whatever she yeah. was doing, but uh, you know, she's not going to be going, Oh, say, can you see? Right. I mean, yeah. that's, that. Mm -hmm. you know, but also like, you know, she had big brother in the holding company, but that was kind of, you know, that was gone by the time she died. And, she was recording her album. She had recorded me and Bobby McGee, which of course was a Chris Christopherson song. 
Um, you know, and I, it's just, and Pearl is a great album, but I don't know that she would have had the same success as other kind of female led um, or in the female yeah. soloists going yeah. into the seventies, like Joni Mitchell, um, yeah. and even, even, you know, Joan Baez and people like that. Um, I, I'm not sure that that was in the cards for Janis Joplin. And I, I have always wondered, would she be one of those folks that really benefited from the kind of age of collaboration or would she have ended up with like, you know, would she have gone back to Austin and had a residency, you know, at the World Amarillo Armadillo headquarters or something and been a great, great, great regional show, but never really yeah, I feel like kind of captured that again. I feel like this obviously is just random thought, but like I, I, I just get this feeling that like if she lived further, she would have had like the like trajectory of like a band like heart like they like take off and they're they're really hot and then the problem with the label well, their thing was a problem with the label and then you like you step out of the light for like a few years and and then you come back in the 80s and you're like different sound and you're like you know you're and you're ready to take them yeah. on like i I feel like you that's what she. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah, can say heart sucked in the eighties because they did, <laughs> <laughs> but but they pivoted. You know, like they changed like totally. Like they they weren't really trying to like keep up from like that first album magic. Like no no no, it's like let's you know this is new era. Like I feel like that might have happened. Or like if she didn't die, then like she would have like maybe like something would have happened where a label didn't feel confident and like you know, her being consistent or something like that. Some, someone cools on her and they're like, yeah, maybe she starts doing small gigs again to get her stuff together. And then maybe it takes a long time. Um, and then like, yeah, you come back and then like now the game has changed. Now everyone's really in the funk and disco um, or you're all the way in the Hades and it's just like, you know, totally different. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I could just kind of see her being that way too. It's kind of like, Yeah. Just going into that groove, you know, just like all those artists that transitioned from like um, late '60s success to like '70s, like you know, whatever you did with that. If you did, you break up with your band? Did you do your first solo? Did you have major success? Did you totally drop off? And then you come back into the '80s and try and reinvent yourself or like whatever. Like I just, I, could, I just, I don't know. I, I get that feeling. Yeah. And it, isn't it funny because like the Kinks. Or one of those, like they were, mm. they were good in the sixties. Yeah. They kind of limped through the seventies and then sucked in the eighties. Like, <laughs> yes, like they came on in the late sixties, had a decent showing in the in the seventies, um, okay. and then other than owner of a lonely heart, kind of sucked in the eighties. Um, mm. <laughs> and, and no, I'm I'm with you though, and I, I think it would have been very difficult. And you know, I I have I have always wondered how the Beatles would have done. And I, of course, you and I uh, find a way to make it about the Beatles. But, um, you know, like someone said that ELO is what the Beatles would have sounded like had they had they stayed together into the Mm. 70s. And I can kind of see that. Right. I mean, and Jeff Lynn and George Harrison were good buddies. And so maybe that's all it is, is just, you know, people. And and I I actually think John Lennon and and Jeff Lynn were pretty good buddies, too. But, um, you know. 
I've always wondered, okay, maybe they could have made it to the seventies. Maybe they would have embraced that kind of wall of sound thing that, that Jeff Lynn took from Phil Spector and made a little bit different, but would the Beatles have made the eighties jump? And I'm just, I am not sure because the only reason the, the Rolling Stones even really made the eighties jump is because by the time they were releasing tattoo you, which I think came out in 1980 or 81, you know, that was like their 15th album. And, you know, if they had one shitty album in the eighties, then just on that tour, they didn't play songs from that album. You know? mm, right. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I, I think I, I've always, I, I have wondered about that um, because I, I think one of the great things about the Beatles, um, which of course is what this entire podcast has been about um, <laughs> is, is, you know, the Beatles breaking up is is a historic moment in, in rock and roll and in the development of music in the 20th century. I think it is also for the best. I, I you know, I'm mm-hmm. not, I'm not sure. I think Paul was so willing to embrace more kind of a poppy sound and, and, you know, John Lennon kind of wanted to be an activist and George Harrison wanted to be more appreciated and had this backlog of wonderful things. And Ringo yeah. wanted to, you know, color things in with crayons or whatever he was doing in the background all the time. Uh, (laughs) And, but it's, I, I, and to bring it actually back to what we were talking about, I'm with you. I think Janis Joplin, I think what you said is a good comparison. Um, Heart, which by the way, I was looking that up. Dreamboat Annie was that first album and holy crap, it was really good. Um, Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would not be surprised if that happened if, you know, but the, the 70s version of bad 80s stuff would be like Janis Joplin falling off the face of the earth and then releasing a disco album in 1978. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. And, and like trying, trying to incorporate funk into her style of music. I'm like, hmm. Yeah. <laughs> And the thing is, she might have worked. I mean, you know, if she had ever hooked up sure. with, uh, you, you know, Parliament Funkadelic, maybe that would have worked a little bit. But, yeah. you know, she she wasn't going to go toe to toe with Diana Ross, right. yeah. <laughs> or Gloria Gaynor, or Donna Summer, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's interesting. Hell, even the <laughs> you know, Heart of Glass is a good song, even though it's disco, kind of. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's interesting to think about, man. It Thanks. is. Um, man, yeah, it's. Uh, I think that this is not that there's any topics that you and I couldn't do this with. I do think this is one where we could probably talk for the next like seven or eight hours and <laughs> uh, probably still not have a great way to conclude things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, so who else you got? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, the, the only the only other person I really wanted to mention was uh, um, Ron McKernan, better known as Pigpen, who was the oh, Grateful yeah. Dead's original uh, piano player and keyboardist and harmonica player. Mm-hmm. Um, Pigpen died. Uh, he 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 suffered the death that Jim Morrison would have if Jim Morrison didn't quit drinking which mm. is uh, he drank so much that there was a hemorrhage in his intestines and he died. Um, oh, wow. Jeez. Yeah. And it, um, 
yeah, Pigpen is a pretty tragic uh, character, especially in the saga of the Grateful Dead, which has no shortage of tragic characters. But um, mm. Pigpen was the first of four official keyboardist slash piano players that the Grateful Dead would have during their run, and three of them died. I mean, the, wow. the, the, so Pigpen died. The second guy was Keith Godreau. He died. And then the last guy was uh, Brent Myland, Midland. Anyway, he died too of a drug overdose. Keith Godreau, I think, died in a car crash, so you can't fault him for that. But, you know, mm. uh, Pigpen and, and Brent drank themselves to death and, uh, or, you know, abused their bodies to death. Um, but I have wondered because Pigpen. Had he lived, I'm not sure how different things would have been for the Grateful Dead because by the time he died, the dead had kind of started to move on because they saw that Pigpen was in such bad shape. And, Mm. you know, and Pigpen was, he didn't, he didn't fight it. He knew that he wasn't capable of being reliable. Um, But had he been able to stay on and get his drinking under control, it would have been interesting to see if they stuck more with that um, bluesy um, kind of kind of psychedelic blues stuff that really they started as Um, Mm -hmm. because really uh, and he died in 72 or 73, I think. And it was really starting right after he died that the Grateful Dead started getting more into, okay, well, let's try these country songs. Okay, well, let's give funk Mm. a shot. Okay, well, King Crimson's making a 17-minute prog rock song. Let's try that, you know. Yeah. And I'm not sure that they would have, I mean, you know, one man does not a band make, but um, it would have been interesting to see that if if Pigpen was capable of making those kind of stylistic jumps that the band as a whole made. Yeah. Um, while still meaning, you know, still staying true to their sound because the Grateful Dead do have a very um, kind of signature sound. But it, it, it would have been pretty interesting to know. I, I think on the list of the 27 club members, I, Pigpen, uh, you know, I'm not sure. He doesn't need to be compared. He, he doesn't have the same, you know, kind of really high up what if that Jimi Hendrix has. Right. Sure. Yeah. But the Grateful Dead... But whether people like them, they they were a very important band in the landscape of things for, you know, 25 years. Um, and it would yeah. have been interesting to see if Pigpen was capable of being a part of that. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Or maybe yeah. not. Maybe I'm just talking out of my ass. <laughs> well, that's the power of folklore and mythology as years go on. You're like well, this guy was a legend. You would never get this guy with this guy. Like what? You know, it's like you would never get, cause I mean, that's a, a lot of, like, like I remember being a kid and it's very random, but like, I remember being a kid and thinking that like Bowie, David Bowie was like the man. Cause I thought like, man, he's singing. He wrote that. He come, you know, he, he, uh, you know, he composed this whole thing. He's playing that guitar on that just as a, a dumb kid, just being like, well, he's, it's David Bowie. It's his name. Like they didn't say David Bowie and the Bowieettes or like the whatever. It's like, so it's just him. Um, you know, listening to the moon age daydream thinking that this guy's like a virtuoso, just like doing all these parts. And then like realizing like no one would have this like proto punk, like eclectic, like intense, like feeling about Bowie without 
Mick Ronson's like without Ronson's guitar styling for the first three albums, like you, nothing's waking you up. I mean, like, yeah, like the, the, the songs are great and they're well-written and, and some of them are really weird and will get your attention. But that guitar is what's probably going to bring in a lot of your mainstream people and get them hooked. And there might be a lot of people that are just like, Oh, just like me as a dumb 10 year old, like thinking like, wow, you know, David Bowie's killing it. You know, he, he is the music, but just thinking like there's a team of people that made that, you know, and, and that one man Ronson is what really set the tone for me to think that this other person was impressive. So to think about, you know, a band and you listen to a full band you're like, man, these, this band is so great. It could be the pianist, you know, that just played it just right. And then like, you know, their style is what made it, you know, it's like, you know, with, with Pigpen, you know, like if, when he left and got replaced, it's like, you know, maybe that totally shifted their style. Maybe it didn't, but that's just kind of the magic of, of music. Like history is sometimes, yeah. I mean, Mick Ronson was a gardener, by the way, <laughs> you know, a guard, a gardener that would play, you know, in, in, in UK clubs and play with different bands. But like, that was his job. That's what he got paid to do was a gardener at a university. And you're saying that this dude comes in and makes Bowie sound, you know, like it's just mind blowing. So he's just always my standing reference of like, Hey man, one dude can totally change how people perceive you as a band. Um, but yeah, I don't know. There's a, like you said, man, we could go on this forever. So, <laughs> so I think we should wrap it up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, not yeah. really starting the topic until we were about an hour in might've, uh, you know, that might've hurt us here. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm going to blame you on that one. Yeah, you should. I deserve that. I, it is my fault, and I'm I am here for it. So, yeah, if anyone has any negative things to say, direct it at me. Your, <laughs> your four a.m. start time has made yeah. you into a much more all over the place speaker. Yeah, and dude, I can I don't even. I mean, not that this is important. I can't even figure out why I didn't sleep well. I mean, at least most days when I get up at four, I'm like, oh man, well I've got a lot to do today. I must have a lot of my and I had a busy day, but not like. To, you know, not anything I haven't had before. So sure. I don't know. It just, I, I don't know. Just in whoever was deciding. Well, a weird day. Today's a weird day. I think it's like after the time shift, you know, cause I was just talking to people like this um, when I was in Dallas earlier this morning is uh, it just feels weird. Time feels weird today. Yeah. And maybe that's what it is. Maybe it was just, uh, maybe the, the spring forward got to me. It didn't used to bother me as much, but you know, maybe in my advanced age, um, it got me today, man. Yeah. Spring, springing forwards a little bit harder on the knees and the sleep cycle every year. <laughs> yeah. It becomes more obvious every year. Happens. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, my, the spring in my step goes a little, it, it, it doesn't go as far forward and it becomes much easier to fall back. Uh, yes. Yeah, it does. There's <laughs> a really bad bit of wordplay there. I, I hate that we're probably ending on that. So, but sorry. <laughs> That's fine. I'll make sure we end on it. <laughs> <laughs> well, as always, Sam, thank you very much. Yeah, dude. It was fun. It was a long one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.